the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the award-winning epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. My name is David Mizajewski, also known as my elf self Thornbreak, and I've been an ElfQuest fan for over 30 years. So join me as we explore the adventures of the Wolf Riders and all of their allies and enemies on the world of two moons and beyond. Hey everybody, welcome back to the ElfQuest Show podcast. This is episode 44, and today we're going to be talking about Stargazer's Hunt number three. want to start out um, just by apologizing for the length of time it has been since I did a podcast. It's been a crazy six months. I was moving and relocating, um, moving to a different state, and then the pandemic hit, and my office is closed and we're all working from home and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, needless to say, it's been a little bit of a, a crazy time, but the good news is, is that everything is great um, where I am and um, I'm all set up. I've got my new office set up. I've got my laptop set up. I've got my ElfQuest art hung around me. I'll have to post a picture of my new office space. And so I am back. We are going to get into the issue in just a minute, but before we do that and before I introduce my guest host for this episode, a few news updates. So again, we are, as, as of this recording, still experiencing the COVID-19 pandemic. I hope everybody out there is safe and practicing social and physical distancing and following all the uh, the best practices by appropriate medical authorities, CDC, WHO, whomever. And if everybody does that, we'll get through this together with minimal loss. So with that said, I um, I think everybody knows that issue number four of Stargazer's Hunt has been put on hold. The comics biz has uh, kind of put itself on pause as many parts of them, the distributors and the shops, have had to you know, close their doors temporarily under the uh, the quarantine rules for the pandemic. And so we're still waiting for the official word on when that issue will be out. But I would just say watch all the official ElfQuest channels, the ElfQuest website, the ElfQuest Facebook page, Wendy and Richard's uh, individual Facebook pages, Twitter, Instagram, ElfQuest is everywhere. And as soon as that news breaks, I'm sure you'll see it in all of those places. Um, the other bit of news, which I know will come as a little bit of a, a sad bit of news to lots of folks, myself included, is that Richard has decided to shut the official eBay shop. Basically, my understanding is that eBay has become more and more difficult to work with, and it's just not something that Richard can invest the time in. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that others are not still selling ElfQuest um, on eBay or other places. So check out the ElfQuest Collectors United group on Facebook, and it's a really great place if you are looking to build your collection and find those rare items. There's lots of Great folks there that are happy to help you out and track things down and give you all the tips on how to sniff out all of those ElfQuest goodies that you might be missing in your collection. And the last bit of news is related, of course, as well to the, the pandemic, and that is that Wendy and Richard have decided to cancel or postpone all of their appearances for the remainder of 2020. And I think we all can appreciate why they made that decision, and um, I'm personally um, very happy that they did because... You know, getting going out to conventions is not worth the risk of potentially getting sick. 
So stay tuned again and watch all of the ElfQuest official channels for any updates on when they might be making public appearances next. But my guess is that it's not going to be until 2021 and that in, you know, in assuming that the pandemic is under control by then. So with those little bits of news out of the way, I am more than thrilled to have my very good friend Heather Biscitza back as a guest host on the podcast. Hey, Heather. Hi, I'm waving, but you can't see me. <laughs> I, I can imagine it. I can imagine it. So um, I'm <laughs> extra excited to have you back on the podcast. You and and Rob, your husband, were on uh, way back in the very beginning. There was uh, one time where um, Ryan, the my original co-host and creator of the podcast, wasn't available, and, and you, Rob, and me kind of recorded an episode. I can't remember which one that was, but for everybody listening, if you just scroll through the, the queue of all of the uh, past episodes, you'll see, see the episode that Rob and Heather were on. So it's good to have you back. and It's uh, great to be back. Awesome. And, you know, one of these days, hopefully soon, we will have to have Alfie come on because you were just sharing with me um, a little bit of cool news about Alfie and his reading interests. Do you want to share that with everyone? <laughs> well, yeah, it just so happens I had the latest issue, number three out on my nightstand, obviously preparing for the the podcast. And it's, you know, coming in for bedtime stories. And he was like, he, he's almost three. And so it was, what's this? And I was like, it's a comic book. And he wanted to be explained what a comic book was. And so I kind of told him in very simple terms what it was. And um, then he was like, read this. And I was it's, you know, it's bedtime story time. So like I was like, all right, I'll start you on your first ElfQuest story. It'll be ElfQuest Stargazer's Hunt issue three. Uh, we're going to jump right in. You'll have no clue what's going on. But here you go, kid. <laughs> <laughs> He, he had a lot of fun, I think, reading it. I was obviously very condensed and simplified for him. And he was asking, you know, some 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 questions about, you know, like what care who characters are what and who's the mommy and who's the daddy and yep. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And then he saw like ads and he was like, Are those the bad guys? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Ads um, are always the bad guys. <laughs> you know, I, uh, the, the, the ads, I, I recently realized that the ads are actually within the, the actual flow of the story, which I don't think they were during Final Quest. I think any ads were always at the back of the comic, so. That's what I recall as well, too. Yeah, so Alfie is very observant of something that is, um, probably a necessary evil, and I'm not gonna let it bother <laughs> me too much, because the bill's gotta get paid. And exactly. so I, I don't, I don't begrudge Dark Horse for running those ads and, and no. keeping ElfQuest on our hands, but no, that's awesome. I, I, uh, thanks for sharing that. And it's just, you know, little kids are so cute and I don't know, you know, Alfie's either going to grow up to be the world's biggest ElfQuest fan or as children are wont to do, um, he'll want nothing to do with it because you guys are into it. At <laughs> exactly. That's why I, I was just kind of like, we, we let him go where his interests go and if he's like interested in something it's like all right we can look at that and just just see where it takes him i think that's the best way to handle it yeah yeah well the other reason i'm excited to have you on is skywise now i know that skywise is one of your favorite characters do you want to share a little bit about your your history of loving skywise skywise is definitely my my all-time favorite character and it was for very childish reasons why it started. I was eight years old when I started reading ElfQuest and um, my favorite color is blue. So <laughs> he, he wears all blue. <laughs> so Whatever works, like, right? That, this, that was the initial, the initial draw. 
But then as I got older, it's it's other stuff about him. I love his kind of sarcastic way of of approaching things. I love his his loyalty that he has to those he, he deeply cares for. And I love the fact that, you know, a lot of times people don't talk about it with Skywise as a character, but he, he will dig his heels in. He's definitely in some ways very, you know, he's jocular. He's the one who's always up for fun. But if something's very serious and very important, he's, he's not budging on that. And I, I admire that quality. And I, I really like that about him that he, he knows, he knows when to be funny, but then he knows when to be serious. And I think that's a very respectable character trait. So yeah, there you go. And then also, obviously, if it weren't for Skywise, I never would have met my husband, Rob. Yes. So I, yeah, I forgot about that actually. So yeah. (laughs) So there, you know, I got to give him props for that. Yeah. Well, and that makes a, 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 a good reason to like a character that he led you to your very own life mate. So yeah, exactly. So it's just like, you know, you got to give him props for that. So cool. Well, I mean, what are your overall thoughts on what's happening with him in, in Stargazer's Hump before we get into the specifics of issue number three? You know, well, that's a deep question to start with. <laughs> um, it's not easy. I'll, I'll be very honest. There's there's so much sadness there for me for him because there's so much loss for him. And he's had so much loss throughout his whole life. I mean, he started his life with loss and a loss that never had closure really either. And then he has another loss later on, you know, where he's taken away from his his tribe and and through it all, and then he comes back, and then and through it all, he always does try to maintain, you know, who he is, and looking on that, I, not really the bright side, but just still trying to be the happy, fun-loving Skywise that he always has been. And then he loses Cutter, and again, I don't think there's been that closure there for him, um, in the same way that there wasn't the closure really for his parents. And I'm just kind of overwhelmed with sadness for him. And it's, it's, been, it's been a difficult journey reading just the first three issues of Stargazer's Hunt. And I'm just, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hear you on that. And I, I completely agree. Um, you know, it wouldn't be Elfquest if it didn't make us feel things. And sometimes those yeah. things are uncomfortable and not things that we want to happen. But, um, but you know, as we've talked about before, it's good stories aren't always comfortable. And, and good storytelling sometimes challenges us to, you know, feel things and think things and all of that. So, yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I feel really bad for Skywise. And, mm-hmm. um, you know... I, Skywise can be a little bit stubborn, like you were just saying, but not in any kind of malicious way. And I feel all those same kind of feelings of anxiety and sadness for him. But, you know, just just to dive right in, I think what, because what you said is one of the things I wanted to talk about is, you know, recap the first two issues, you know, Skywise finally, you know, he's grappling with the loss of Cutter, they're on the star home, they're living as high ones, and he finally realizes, based on a conversation with Strongbow, that he he knows something's up between Cutter and Tamane, he's not sure what, and so he finally asks yeah. Tamane to tell him. And she does, mm-hmm. in a pretty dramatic fashion, just lays it all out, turns, shapes her body into Cutter's body, and 
and tells Skywise, and he, of course, can't handle this. He freaks out and runs off. And Jink, in her childish innocence uh, and, and, and power, wipes the memory of Cutter out of Skywise's mind so that he won't have to feel sad. And then mm-hmm. Skywise is fine for a second and realizes, though, immediately that something's wrong. But he can't figure out what, because this big chunk of him is gone from his mind. And so he ends up kind of bolting and takes off in a pod and, and drifts off into space. And so that's kind of where how we lead into the issue. And um, what you just were saying, Heather, about you know Skyways never having closure just immediately made me think of Strongbow's take on this where he was just saying that like skywise has never had his heart broken and yes he's faced loss but it's like has he ever really dealt with it and let the loss kind of into his heart and and grow from it exactly again you got to feel bad for the guy but i wonder you know how much of the pain he's feeling is his own choice and i again i kind of feel like that's what strongbow is saying in this issue like you know, Skywise is trying to have it all, and he's not willing to make choices. He he thinks that Skywise wanted Cutter to feel not complete without. Yes. Yeah. And you know that to me is it, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. I never really thought of their relationship that way, but I think the way that things played out in Final Quest are an example of that. And when Cutter couldn't say to Skywise my life is not going to be complete without you. It was a real problem for Skywise, you know, mm-hmm. if you remember those scenes from Final Quest. And oh, he's, yeah. again, still kind of grappling with that. And it just, you know, it's an interesting thing to say. It's kind of like deep stuff about how relationships work in the real world too and, and how you can get yourself into bad spots when you set up expectations for others that are not really things that they can give you. Well, and I think also there's part of it, Strongbow points out that he was still young. I mean, that's something that always has to be taken into consideration, too, is Skywise, not only had he been older than Cutter when he was taken away from him, but when he came back, he was hundreds of years younger. So Cutter had had hundreds of years of life experience and everything that Skywise didn't have. So in some ways, Skywise was still very immature about relationships. Yeah. While the the elves may be a bit more enlightened about relationships than we are, they're still fallible, and with age comes wisdom. And he didn't he didn't have that. So well, and- Cutter had let let Skywise go in a way, and had lived life without him for a long time when the palace was gone. And you know, obviously, he missed him and wanted him back, but he got used to it in some ways and learned that he could could adapt. Whereas Skywise didn't experience that, right? And didn't have that experience. Well, again, it's it's another, that's another good example of character who had his heart broken and allowed that to happen. You Mm -hmm. know, Cutter, when, when he lost Skyways and his family, again, I'm just, you know, I keep going back to Strongbow and his comments that we've seen so far. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's actually really interesting because Strongbow has always been positioned as the elder and in Wolf Rider culture, you know, the elders are given deference to and, and they're looked at as sort of, you know, they have the wisdom of their age and, um. Strongbow has always had that, but I feel like after what he himself has been through with the loss of Moonshade and their relationship and then the actual loss of her via death um, has really radically changed him. And now he's like dropping these like deep truth bombs <laughs> throughout oh, yeah. Stargazer's Hunt. And it's it's kind of awesome to see, you know, the whole idea of character growth and evolution. You know, he's still Strongbow, but 
he's not, you know, he, like he is definitely a more evolved character. And I think that's why he is on the star home. You know, he's not um, like, yes, he's kind of mimicking a Wolf Rider life, but it's clearly a very different way of being than it would have been if he was back on the, on the world of two moons. So yeah. Anyway, I'm just, I'm kind of rambling, but I, I'm thinking. No, I know. I get exactly what you're saying. And in some ways that that's always an important thing too, because it just shows that development takes place, even though you're quote grown up, right? There's always something to learn. There's always something that you can change about yourself. Um, whether it's a positive change or not, you know, obviously is always up for debate, but I think in some ways for Strongbow, it is more positive because he's not as rigid. It, it appears as he used to be. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, you know, he said, when we want the ones we cherish to cherish us back the exact same way, our aim is off. Yeah. Um, and that's usually because we're, all, we're trying to think of what can I do? What needs to be said? How can this be done? So I can get this person to, to feel the way I do um, or to recapture something. And he obviously learned that with Moonshade you know, that was another way that he's, he's grown and changed as well too. And it just keeps, we're always growing. We're always changing. We're always evolving because we're always experiencing. And even if you live a thousand years or, or whatever, it's, it's, it's going to be that way. Yeah. And again, that, that's the kind of wisdom that I think just comes with like living life and, and having experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole idea of, Again, wanting to love someone to love you or, or, or be in the a relationship where it, it, you know it's sort of on your terms is just a very kind of immature idea, right? Like yeah, you yeah. have to. I feel like at almost forty five years old, I have learned that in life that you know you kind of have to meet people where they are, and like your relationship together is something greater than just like what you bring to it and what the other person brings to it. And, you know, it's almost, it's, it's, it's its own living thing. And it, I guess the point there is that Skywise um, in some ways w- didn't allow it to be what it was, um, mm-hmm. that he kind of resented it in, in, mm-hmm. in maybe some ways. And which of course didn't alter his love for Cutter, but no, I think it explains a lot of his angst, especially in the final quest when he was really struggling with all this and didn't know what was going on with Cutter after the, yeah, the reveal about his connection to Tamane. So it'll be interesting to see where, again, this all goes. And, you know, is Skywise going to allow his heart to be broken and have that growth? All right, so let's go back to the very beginning of, of the issue. It starts out with this kind of, uh, you know, shot of Tamane holding Jink, and we see the that otherworldly sky of the, the star home, which... You know, I've talked about on the the last two episodes, but I just am still loving this color palette that Wendy and Sonny have come up with so that the star home feels kind of like this. It's not it's not the world of two moons. It's a different place. Yeah, it's definitely they say ethereal surroundings. And that definitely is the best way to describe it. Yeah. There's like, you know, it's pink and purple tones in the sky. It's just it's really neat. It's a wonderful winter palette. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Although, based on the clothing or lack thereof that many of them are wearing, it's probably, I don't think it's winter, but. <laughs> it's not their winter, but it's a winter palette. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Tamane is saying that Skywise hasn't accepted being parted, in, you know, from Cutter in that final of a way. And, and she basically lays out the. I guess the premise of the title, you know, she says in that, in that conversation that that he's got to go on a journey and who knows how long it's going to take, but she actually calls it a hunt, but Mm -hmm. it may take the star's own time to complete his hunt. 
and Jinx mm-hmm. as Hunt. So there, there you go. That's the title there, Stargazer's Hunt. But the reason I bring it up is from a storytelling point of view, you know, I, I get why that, that conversation happened because, again, it kind of cues up the idea that, you know, Skyways' journey is, is kind of a hunt to deal with this, this loss. But mm-hmm. it also made me think, why would Tamane say that? And, and I was kind of unpacking that a little bit, knowing what we know about her. And it seems like very likely that, you know, it's, this is a, something that Tamane might have gotten a glimpse of as a possible future just from you know her meditation and studying of the scroll of colors or at least to know that she might have seen some path in there or some thread that suggested that skywise disappears for a while which is why she it it just makes me think that you know tamane is often comes off as kind of aloof and you know i just wonder if it's because she has so much knowledge that and she knows that all the all of these many many different things that could happen that she just has like an acceptance and a serenity about whatever happens. Does that make sense? You know, it, to- it, it really does. Especially, you know, once again, it's like we were talking about, like with age comes that wisdom. And it's, it's the same thing as well with, with Tim age. She's, she's lived a really, really long time because she lived a really, really long time before she even came to the planet, you know, of two moons. Um, so, you know, she's been around for millennia, right? Yeah. So, you're around for millennia, you've been there, you've done that, and not too much is usually going to shake you. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like with parenting, people with their first kid stress out about lots and lots of different <laughs> things because they haven't done it before. You probably don't and know then, anything at all about what that's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, see, and, I was, and that's the thing is like I was lucky as I helped raise my oldest niece and nephew, you know, had a lot to do with their, their child raising. So a lot of it just doesn't, doesn't bother me. Cause it's like, I've seen this, I know this, this is, this is normal. And I've worked with kids for a long time. So it's like, this is normal. Don't, don't sweat it. Whereas other parents might be like, you know, freaking out and, you know, going, what's going on, what's going on. It's just like, yeah, it's all right. This is just, this is what happens. You know, there's no reason to, to stress it and to some people that may come off as being aloof, but really it's just, you know, there's no point in getting upset and bet out of shape about it because it's not going to help the situation. Right. I just kind of, kind of take it how it comes. So I do think that's where me, some of her aloofness comes from. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, um, a great um, kind of analogy there too. (laughs) Uh, And I, you know, with that, that example, I would say, you know, times it by a a billion because, (laughs) Yeah, Again, as you said, she's been around for that long and seen so many things. So, um, you know, the other thing about this scene that I wanted to call out is Tamane says something to Jink that, you know, I saw some folks in the in the online commentary calling out. And, and I think, well, she says to Jink, Jink's upset because, you know, she wiped Skywise's memory. And now he kind of has fled the scene. And Tamane is telling her that he might not be back for a long time. So understandably, mm-hmm. she's very upset because she clearly adores her dad, and uh, and so she cries. And mm-hmm. Tamane kind of looks down and wipes the tear away and says, "Tears may these be the only ones you ever shed." Mm-hmm. And I, 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 what I'm going to say, I think, is is a symptom of because Tamane is presented as so aloof because of everything that we've just been talking about. She's really hard for most of us to kind of relate to and grasp. So 
I, I think some people read that and interpreted it as Tomain saying, I, I wish that you never have to deal with any hardship or negative emotions or whatever. And that is a possibility if they stay in the star home, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. definitely been presented as a paradise. But here's the thing is that, and, and again, people, I think, felt that it was a little bit contradictory to Tomain and the lesson of pain and all of that. I I don't have kids, so... You know, it took me a minute to get this, but mm-hmm. it just dawned on me when I was rereading it that, you know, this is the kind of thing that every parent says to their kid when they fall down and scrape their knee. You oh, know, totally. Like, I, you know, I hope, I hope you, it, or even if they don't verbalize it, right? It's like what you feel, I think, right? And you can mm-hmm. confirm this as a parent, but like, you know, you never want your kid to be in pain as a parent. And you sometimes will even say that. That, that doesn't mean that you want to put them in a bubble and have them never experience life, right? No, no. It doesn't mean that at all, and you know it's going to happen. You just, or you wish you could just take that pain away for them. You wish you could magically make it all better. And I mean, and and once again, I'm an older parent. I had had my son much later in life. I helped raise my niece and nephew, and I've you know also worked with kids basically since I was in my twenties. And you, you want to take it all away, and this is why, like you know, it's it's so much easier when they're little and they scrape their knee, and you can you know let me kiss the boo boo. Right. right here, let me give it a kiss. And you do a little song and, and they giggle. And, but in the back of my mind, I'm looking at my son who's not even three yet. And I'm like, someday that's not going to work because you're going to experience a hurt that isn't physical, that can't be fixed by that. Right. And I really don't look forward to that because there's nothing you can really do to take that pain away, even though you want to. Right. Um, and it's it's really hard. I remember with my niece and nephew when um, my father died, their old pa, they were very young and that was still very hard for them. And just seeing the, the angst that these small children were going through that you couldn't kiss away the boo-boo, you just, it's it's overwhelming. And in Timming, while she may be ancient and she may be aloof, she's still the mother of a young child at this moment. Yes, you know, <laughs> and that, and that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly why I wanted to focus on this for a second because the irony is that again, I think a lot of folks don't quite get get to me, and I understand why. Um, and and she's not relatable, and she is so aloof and all that. In this moment, she is showing, for, for lack of a better term, her humanity. Like you mm-hmm. just said, she's a mom, and she's having this emotional response to this warm, loving, emotional response that probably every parent kind of feels whenever they see their injured child. So I just thought it was like a great example of Tamein kind of breaking that that stereotype and that and that, that kind of mold of hers being this aloof goddess type. You know, she is a mom. Jink is a flesh and blood offspring of hers, and she actually uh, has emotions and cares about her. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing to understand too is, once again, just like, you know, like you said, for lack of a better word, humans in real life, we're complex. We don't just, we don't act the same way in every situation. Usually Um, we don't interact with all people in the same way. I don't interact with my brother. Who's a guy in the same way that I interact with my husband. Who's a guy the same way I interact with you. Who's a guy, you know, there's lots of guys in my life, but I don't interact with all guys in the same way. And the same thing with like, when I talk to someone who's been my friend for a few years in comparison to someone I've talked to, you know, that I've known since junior high, right? 
there's we have layers and and Tim Main does too, but she's going to have lots of them because she's really really old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you know, never um is the statement, you know, I contain multitudes probably more applicable. You know, the yeah. idea that that, you know, as individuals, we can be outgoing, but we can also be shy. We can be angry and frustrated, but we can also be jovial, all packed into, you know, kind of one person and one entity and, and behavior and all of that. So, um, all right. So moving on, you know, we, the, the, you know, so we kind of get this setup of the Stargazer's Haunt. And we go to Skywise, and I am was blown away when I saw this page. It's it's mostly a splash page, and you see this mm-hmm. big, kind of colorful design. It's almost like a web at the center of which is Skywise's pod. Yes. Did, did, did you recognize that? I didn't at first, um, but through my second read through, I did. But then, granted, usually when I do my first read through, I usually gobble it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then I kind of did, I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I was like, I don't know if it's a web or a net either. Cause I was like, okay, is he getting like, you know, caught up in his own ways of thinking? Um, or am I reading too much into this? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay. So here's what the connection that I made. Cause it do, I totally see the, the sort of net look. If you go back to the original quest and you go to the very end when Tamane through Suntop is telling the story of the um, of the, the first comers through the scroll, she gets to a point in that narrative where she talks about the fact that the High Ones made food to eat from the matter they found between the stars. Aww. And it's the same type of of illustration with mm-hmm. this sort of like, I think, you know, I interpreted it as, you know, kind of just sort of like the web of, of energy that surrounds us. That's probably a much more accurate interpretation. Well, I, well, if you read the caption there, it says drawing all the elements necessary for life from the ether as his ancient ancestors, the first comers did. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain it's a direct nod to that, but even though the colors are different, you know, it's a lot more of a, of a primary color in this appearance here than it was in the Scroll of Colors, which is all sort of pastels. But anyway, I, I thought that was so cool. I love when there's, you know, kind of nods to what has gone before. And this issue actually has a lot of those. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those in a minute. But at any rate, you know, poor Skywise. He's just kind of like, I know something's wrong. I can't figure it out. I, I remember all this stuff, but something's missing. Mm-hmm. And then we have this, he's got this really fascinating conversation with Thistlecap, which is the preserver that has, has kind of joined him. And Who also has the best cap ever. Yes, I am a big fan of like the fuzzy thistle cap. It really does look mm-hmm. like a thistle. And if folks don't know, a thistle is a kind of flower. Um, it's a plant and it has this kind of pink, spiky, fuzzy flower. And that's exactly what thistle cap has on its head. So there you go. There you go. So Skywise, I, I love this because I don't think the preservers get their 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 due in ElfQuest a lot. You know, a lot of times they are just sort of the comic relief and oftentimes the butt of jokes. I sometimes kind of feel bad for them, to be honest with you. But here we see Skywise actually having like an intelligent conversation. And it just, again, it also made me think of the resolution that came in Final Quest with the trolls. 
mm-hmm. and how once the elves, you know, either feared them or saw them as enemies or thought of them as lesser. And, you know, over the course of the entirety of everything that led up to the final quest, I feel like there was a big evolution, but the preservers never really got that. But here, I feel like we see a little a little glimpse of that, where Skywise is, he might kind of still make jokes here and there about preservers and the way that they are, but he's, like, you can tell that he kind of considers Thistlecap an equal being. Yeah, I definitely, I, I agree with that. And I think some of that even changed at the very end of Final Quest, like when Petalwing was the one who could open the door, right? Oh, um, the, the original quest. Yeah, yeah. yeah the original, yeah, sorry, the, the end of the original quest when um, Petalwing was the one that could, could open up that door and get them all in. Right. And, you know, that was, I would ever, not only was everybody like, wow, Petalwing's that old. Right. <laughs> <Which is> like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, suddenly Looks you like get Petalwing suddenly had this sort of gravitas that um, didn't have before. But I'm glad you brought up Petalwing because this is another thing that I wanted to talk about because Thistlecap says something interesting. You know, again, Skywise is trying to remember and he's going through like, I, you know, my memories, whatever, whatever. And Thistlecap comes in and says, preservers know, no, quote, remember. We see behind own looky ball, see all kinds of things. So some folks pointed out that, you know, Petalwing's line in the original quest was specifically, you know, Petalwing remembers. And what did it remember? It remembered being in the palace and, and all of that and all of its duties. I don't think that Thistlecap's comment is necessarily meant, like, again, to be taken so black and white literally, like, that preservers do not have the ability to remember. I think what it's saying is that preservers have a different way of mentally operating than the elves do. Well, I agree too. That's why remembers in quotes. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. I, I mean, mean that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just think it's saying like, I'm not, you know, I don't know what you're, what's going through your noggin elf, but you know, my brain doesn't work like that. And I can see all sorts of things, you know, behind my own eyes. And to me, that's remembering. It's just the preserver version of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it can't say like memories are happening in my head. You know, it doesn't know how to explain. It's just like, so it's not like remembering. It's just, it's a movie that's playing in my head when I want to replay it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's a great, a great way of describing it because that's what it goes on to do. It's like kind of playing these scenes from the past and describing them. And you see, you know, the mm-hmm. wolf riders riding to the hunt and, you know, the preservers fighting against the humans. I'm, I'm guessing that was in the forbidden grove when Olbar came looking for his daughter and, you know, wrapping up sleeping animals and all of that kind of stuff. So anyway, I, I just wanted to give a little bit of props here to the preservers because they're pretty cool too. And they don't always get the spotlight the way that good old Thistlecap is. And I just love, I love getting to meet new names from the groups that oftentimes are just kind of nameless. You know, a lot of the Sun Villagers, a lot of the Go-Backs, that kind of thing. And the preservers as well. So when we get kind of to meet a new one and get a name, I just, I get excited. I do too. And I do. Yeah. I love the, the the preservers as well. I think they're, they're fantastic. And I love the fact that they're so tiny and so fierce. They're fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, so then this goes into a really deep place, I, I guess you could say. So, you know, Skyways is kind of musing on... Yeah, you know, we're remembering the world of two moons. And it's funny, like he says, I always wanted to leave it to go find what lay far beyond the sun, moons, and clouds. And then he says, but here I am, and the stars are so different. And then he has this kind of reverie where he's kind of just kind of thinking about the the, the lived experience of getting to travel the stars and what that feels mm-hmm. like compared to what he thought it would be like. 
and particularly what it feels like when he's all alone. You know, he mm-hmm. says he says that like when they left the world of two moons in the palace ship and returned, at least he had everybody with him and it mm-hmm. still felt okay. But now, you know, now that he's actually achieved his goal and and gone to the stars, it's not what he expected. And that was like a punch in my gut when I read that. It's just so profoundly I don't know what the right word is. Sad isn't quite the right word. It's like, I just feel melancholy about it. I don't know. I don't know. What did it, you think about all that? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of melancholy to it. And I think, I, I'm sure the Germans have a really good word for it. <laughs> because they always do. Um, but it, it, it also made me really think back to the expression, you know, that be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. And Skywise spent a lot of his time searching for those types of things and like wanting Cutter to complete him and the stars and going to all these places. And it's always about what he was going to do next and where he was going to go next. And because of that, I think he's, he, he lost some, some growth in what he could have in his own life. And in some ways it wasn't enjoying the now. So, and then all of a sudden when it's laid out before you, it's just not as exciting. It's kind of like, you know, remember as a kid, sometimes on Christmas morning, all that anticipation. And sometimes it was like, you'd open up all your presents and it was like, and then it's done. And it's Uh, like, right. And you feel sad. (laughs) You feel that, that kind of lost feeling. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that feeling when, um, like after the anticipation and after Mm -hmm. the thing actually happens. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's what he says. It's like, to, to do it alone, you know, no target to aim for. It feels impossible. And then he says, the further you go, the stars just stay very, very, very far away. And it just, it's like, it's one of those moments that we all have in life where you just suddenly mature. We talked a lot mm-hmm. about Skyways kind of, you know, being young and therefore honestly has not lived and had a lot of experiences, at least compared to some of the other characters. And I feel like this is one of those pivotal moments in Skywise as a character and his character development where he realizes like I've all always wanted what was just always right out of my grasp and I pushed for it and I you know and I got it and here I mm-hmm. am and I, yeah, I still feel kind of empty and no matter how hard I push I'm realizing that I'm never gonna get there he's got ambiguous loss in a way so he's he's experiencing just this this ambiguous loss he doesn't even understand what he's lost he just right. knows he's 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 lost something, and Cutter is now part of that ambiguous loss, but he can't even remember that. Yeah, and actually, I'm I'm glad you said that because it makes me think too that um, you know maybe in some ways that feeling of lost and loneliness that he's feeling in the stars is a metaphor for how he's feeling about Cutter, even though he mm-hmm. can't actually in his brain think of Cutter and remember him. He, you know, like Timane says, like. Wiping the memory of Cutter didn't get rid of Skywise's feelings of loss over that. That's what she exactly. tells Jake earlier in the issue, which again is super profound. So I just, you know, I feel really, really bad for Skywise. I do. Um, and it, it's a, it hurts. I hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like a tone and an emotion that we don't often get in ElfQuest. And I think that's why uh, it stands out to me so much. Mm-hmm. And and I guess, I guess all I'll really have to say about that is that even after 40 however many years it's been, Wendy and Richard are still finding new new ways and fresh ways of telling ElfQuest 
that are still completely ElfQuest, but different oh, than what has gone before. Mm-hmm. Yes. This also makes me think a little bit of, strangely, of Raik. This is literally a thought that just popped into my head right now, so I haven't really... I don't know how well I'm going to articulate it, but, you know, I mean, if you can, in in some ways, look at, like, a parallel between Rayek and Skywise, they both were drawn to the stars, not, Mm -hmm. Rayek not in the same literal way that Skywise was, but, you know, Rayek always wanted to leave the world of two moons and go back to the star home and, you know, kind of return to the old ways, and, and they both had this ambition to do it, again, in the way that it manifested was totally different. You know, Skywise was willing to kind of wait and let it happen, whereas Rayek wanted to just magic it all and make it happen instantaneously. But anyway, I just, you know, and and, and of course we know that Rayek did not, or has not at least yet, had a happy ending and also kind of has found himself in this, this, this kind of trap of sadness and melancholy and maybe even a little bit of despair thrown in there. And so I just, I don't know, it just popped into my brain that maybe there's some parallel there, deliberate yeah, I or otherwise. Definitely, yeah, I, I could definitely see, you know, because both of them kind of wanted the same thing and just went about it very different ways. Um, and have both lost the individuals that they loved very deeply. And whereas also then Rayek is kind of like the opposite side of the coin. He's got that individual with him. <laughs> Right. Again, be careful Um, what you wish for, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And Skywise has completely lost uh, Cutter. And so that's, you know, both are very sad. Yeah. It also makes me wonder, too, if Skywise had not lost Cutter, how his experience exploring the stars might be. You know, so in other words, if he hadn't lost Cutter and he hadn't lost his memory of Cutter, and he was going out to the stars, would he be seeing them in the same way that he is now? And, you know, that's a what if question that we'll never have answered. But, you know, I just wonder too, like if, if Cutter was still alive and with him, well, actually I just answered my own question because Skywise answered it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's all about being alone for him right now in that moment. That's what he says, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, if there's something familiar, even if you don't know the uh, exact trail, like you still feel like you're safe and at home, but when you're alone with no target. So I answered my own question. You know, if Cutter was there with him, he probably would have a very different take on this. But there he is by himself, again, kind of living the dream that he always wanted. And it's just off. And again, I feel like there's a connection there to his emotions to Cutter. And I definitely think so. And I mean, it's, And experiencing things with people that you love being there is very different than not. And I mean, like I know for my myself, I when I was younger, I was able to take an amazing trip across Europe. um, And it was just me. I went I was with a tour group, but these were not people that I knew I went on my own. And I remember going to the Sistine Chapel. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And it amazing to see, you know, the work of, of, uh, you know, Michelangelo, just, just seeing, you know, the, the ceiling and, and the wall. But at the same time, part of me really longed to, to share it with someone that I cared about. Yeah. So I think it would have been a much more fulfilling experience to have had that, that connection there. Um, and I think that also kind of speaks to the fact that why the elves stay in the flesh, there is something about that connection 
you know, reaching right. your hand out and holding the hand of someone that you that you love and you care for when you're experiencing something wondrous makes it much more meaningful than when you experience it alone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely relate to it myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely enjoy my alone time and doing things and exploring. Mm-hmm. You know, one of, one of my favorite things of all to do is when I'm traveling is to go to a museum by myself mm-hmm. and just meander at my own pace without anybody else there, especially if it's something that I'm particularly interested in. Like I love going to natural history museums where if I were with other people, I might not really get the opportunity to kind of absorb it all the way that I want to, because other people mm-hmm. maybe just aren't as interested or, or whatever. And so, but at the same time, I want to be able to come home and, and at least tell someone about it, right? Like I, I, I still want to share it. And so even for those of us who or those characters that might have a uh, kind of a loner streak to them, like Skywise, they still need their 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 family. Yeah, it, it's it's nice to have something you know to share with people that yeah. you love. Well, that again is a good segue into the next scene where we we cut back to the Star Home and we see basically Jink growing up. You know, some mm-hmm. amount of time is passing here. Um, you know, starting with the scene that we talked about already where, where Strongbow, again, drops some wisdom bombs about <laughs> you know, Skywise uh, really wanting Cutter to love him back in the same exact way that he was giving his love and that how that often isn't the way that it works and it's kind of mm-hmm. you know, missing the mark. And, um, uh, you know, I, I love these kind of scenes, these kind of little vignette type things where you see lots of different characters. You know, we see Satrika and Jing playing with the um, the wolf fox yeah. things that are the um, the equivalent of wolves on the star home. And, um, you know, just kind of these family things. And, and, and we see Sunstream there and he has shrunk himself down to wolf rider size the way that um, clearly Venka and... Um, and Skywise did when they were around Strongbow. So that was kind of neat. But we, 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 we learned something that we never saw on camera in Final Quest. Sunstream talks about his final farewell to Cutter. Mm-hmm. And um, as I've talked about before on the podcast, those scenes in Final Quest, when they kind of all said they're, they're parting, not knowing if they would ever see each other again, you know, are some of the most <laughs> hard-hitting in all of ElfQuest. So, you know, we didn't get to see this happen in Final Quest, but... Sunstream shares that Cutter's last thing that he said to him was basically to to watch out for Skywise, and mm-hmm. and he and he shared because you know Skywise said that you know don't you care if I go? And of course Cutter cared, but like we talked about before, Cutter was able to accept that they might have to be apart in order to be yeah. happy because he was mature. Anyway, I just I love that you know even though Cutter is gone, he still clearly you know plays a key role in the story. Yes, yeah, and I, I think that was. That was also nice, that little recollection, too. And just to see that, you know, the the goodbye that happened, and it's a very tender, sweet drawing, too. You know, he's, he's you know, sunned down on the knee and, you know, looking at him and just, I don't know, just very, it was a perfect fatherly, you know, moment yeah. between him and, and Sunstream. And um, in some ways, you know, when you think about it, he's saying goodbye at that time to his, his only son. We know it's not his only son now but at the time it was his only son oh yes well and, we're gonna uh, get we're gonna get to him yeah, in a minute. We're gonna, we're gonna. <laughs> and he's making sure he's his his the last things he's saying to his son are about skywise right 
Um, and that shows the depth of his love for Skywise because he's making sure that take take care of this 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 fella. He's he's gonna need it. And as a parent, once again, you know that's that's not something that you'd always you'd think of because you're getting ready to say goodbye to your kid for possibly the last time. Right. And it also shows how much Cutter trusts and respects Sunstream. Completely. Not that he he didn't always, but we know that Sunstream had his own challenges, like identity crises and things like that. And so, um, you know, is he a wolf rider? Does can he relate to Cutter? And the evolution of their relationship has been really interesting. And yeah, I guess fulfilling is a good word. And and this is again, like you said, their last conversation. The fact that he has such respect for Sunstream that he that Cutter would ask him, you know, to kind of take on Skywise and watch out for him is I think just evidence of, of how deep that respect is. Completely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a passage of time, at least on the star home. And again, I'll point out that we shouldn't try to do math on, you know, well, five years passed here on the star home. So let me calculate how old the other character on the world of two moons is. And, you know, Skywise is off traveling in space. And we have no idea if like Skywise is going to come back in 500 years or a thousand years or 2000, you know, who knows, right? All well, I know and is also, that... Well, time ahead. travel He's... changes in space. Exactly. That's what <laughs> I was just going to say. All I know is that I, I, I know that in a very loose, unscientific way. But also Wendy and Richard have referred to sort of wibbly wobbly timey wimey. And have yes. said, like, they're not, you know, things might not line up that way because of because of science, actually, right? And I don't exactly. need to go into the mathematical and, and, and physics equations here, but I just, I wanted to point that out because some of us are like those, all those I's dotted and T's crossed. And, and I don't know if that is always the best way to kind of get like your appreciation out of ElfQuest because it's just not the way it works. So. Well, and I, and, and I mean, for any group of people who think, I mean, like you do you, I'm not going to yuck your yum. Um, <laughs> if that's, if that's what you want to do, that's, that's great. And obviously those discussions are perfectly welcome and everything, but I always think, you know, that's just also not how life works. We, we don't get to dot all the I's and, and cross all the T's um, because we don't always have all the answers. There are plenty of unknowns. Uh, there's, there's mysteries from history and there's mysteries from science and there's mystery from people. And, and I, I feel like if we always try to figure everything out and really try to pin down that butterfly, you miss some of the beauty, yeah. you know, cause when you pin down that butterfly, it's done. But sometimes when you just, just enjoy it for what it is, you just got to, for myself, once again, if that's not how somebody else works, that's fine. Um, but for myself, it's like sometimes you just got to just let that butterfly go and enjoy it for the moment. And yeah. enjoy the wow that's happening now, as Daniel Tiger would say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's a brilliant way of saying it. So some amount of time passes. We see Jink grow into, you know, a young, a young woman. Um, mm -hmm. and goes into the scene where she is in the, the scroll room with Auric and Tamane. And Auric is basically saying, like, we can't know exactly where he is by using the scroll of colors. It just doesn't mm -hmm. work like that. Like, there's more to it than just, you know, it's again, it's not a, 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 a GPS tracking system. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, they can see Strand suggesting that he is somewhere, but that doesn't mean that he actually is there or that she can just 
get there or track it that way. So, mm-hmm. but um, you know, Jinx says something a couple times in in this issue. This idea that like when she's ready to you know kind of go on a journey to find Skywise or you know when I'm bigger I will I'll fix him. You know, just, it, it it suggests I don't know a level of patience that is I think on the mark for for these beings that are are immortal for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. like they don't have to rush in the same way that we humans would. So to be able to take the time and actually master her power, which clearly in so far, you know, Jink hasn't she's got this tremendous power, but she doesn't necessarily know how to fully control it or or and even if she can control the actual power, it's like the judgment to do it is not there, right? And so it's just again kind of interesting that that Jink is kind of taking her time. It's almost like I feel like the, there have been examples of this and other other literary examples of, of somebody kind of preparing for the journey or for the battle mm-hmm. that is to come, but they have this kind of sense of serenity about it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Yeah, it's it's inevitable. It's it's going to happen, so there's no rush for it. It's just you know, yeah, it's we. I know it's coming. So, and it also. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say so. There's no reason to 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 fast forward at that point. Right. And it's like she's preparing, you know, she's living in the now, um, I guess. And and she knows that this is going to come and she knows she has to prepare for it. But it's she's not going to do it until the time is right. Exactly. It also uh, makes me think of what Skywise said to Sunstream about staying with the wave dancers and raising his daughter, Korifei. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of that same idea. And Skywise says something like, there's no, there's no when. Sunstream was stressing about living up to his life's task, which was to send out the call and mm-hmm. be the link across all of the elves on the world of two moons. And he was feeling conflicted because now he just recognized and had a daughter and he wanted to raise her. And he's like, but, I, but my duty, right? I have to go do this. And Skywise is like, there's no, there's no rush, right? You can do this on your own time and terms. Like life is going to go on one way or the other and we're not pressuring you. And it just, this is like kind of echoing that same thing, you know, and Jink kind of taking the time to grow and to get a little bit of maturity and to master her powers better and that kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of neat. And um, of course, you know, now that we see Jink in grown up form, this is the first time in Stargazer's Hunt that we're seeing her that way and, you know, can kind of maybe compare her, you know, she's now finally of the the physical appearance that she was in the Jink miniseries from the nineties. And mm-hmm. um, of course, as depicted by, by Wendy with, with Sonny, obviously in, in this case, but um, yes. you know, she's definitely, she's, it, it's the character that I know and remember. I mean, it's, you know, and probably I like it a little bit more because it is, it is Wendy. <laughs> um, I'm not, not ashamed to admit that, you know, I love all the different interpretations and I really love some of the um, other artists that have worked on ElfQuest over the years, Sonny included. Um, but you know, there, Wendy is Wendy, right? So. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's all you need to say. Yeah. So she starts this, you know, her first step on this journey, I think in a very kind of wise way, you know, she's consulting with her elders, with, with Auric and with her mother to Maine. Um, and she's saying, she's recognizing that she needs to know as much as she can about Cutter in order to understand and find Skywise. And we get this mm-hmm. great montage of all of these key moments from across 
the, all of the ElfQuest stories, um, you know, mm-hmm. moments where of deep emotion between Cutter and Skywise, and it, just such a you know kind of a great reminder of all they've been through. You know, from the original quest, there's there's actually now that I'm looking at it, there's there's a scene from the original quest. There's a scene from Siege of Blue Mountain. There's a scene from Kings of the Broken Wheel. There's a scene from Final Quest, and then there are two scenes from the the very first two stories that Sonny worked on yes. with Wendy, which I thought was a kind of a really sweet touch here since Sonny is so integral to to Stargazer's hunt um, oh, as yeah. kind of like the main artist. And I think it's just, it's also an important reminder that um, Cutter and Skywise, that they're the love story. Oh, yeah. In West. I mean, that's that's just undeniable it's you know it's it's their love story yeah well it's right there on that page you know? yeah it's I mean. yeah it's and yeah. and i i really like that too that basically it was you know a section from each of the like important story arcs for their relationship mm-hmm. um and i thought that was laid out beautifully yeah it also i think is a smart thing to do um in early in a series there might be some new readers that they might not have read all of these stories. So it's kind of, it gives a little bit of, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. So, you know, if he's reading this, you know, when you were reading this to him earlier now, you know, maybe in his, these will, these images will imprint in his brain and he'll seek them out when he gets older and can actually read for himself. But (laughs) so, um, yeah. So moving along again, we get some more of these little vignettes now of, of Jink, and we get to—I love this—we get to see her kind of like interacting with characters we know and love: Strongbow, Suntoucher, and yes. Tura, and mm-hmm. kind of experiencing their memories of Cutter and knowing him through everybody Two else's others. eyes. Yeah, right? yeah, which yeah. Is, is kind of neat, and um, you know, kind of culminating in in this this description of her as lovely, confident, irrepressible, vivacious. The child of Timmy and the High One and Skywise the Stargazer matures, gently learning from wise and experienced ones around her. Um, you know, it, it's just, again, the setup of Jink really growing up in paradise. Yeah, most and, definitely. And, you know. With also the best eyeshadow. I really, <laughs> I want that eyeshadow color. I was just like, oh, man, I'm going to have to, like, search for that now. Oh, my God, I love it. Well, it's like mauvey, purpley, just shimmery perfection. Yeah. So well, I'm going to be on a hunt for that. As we know, if you were an elf, you could just, you would naturally produce that. <laughs> yes. Sadly, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you. Um, but yeah, so it kind of gets to this point where Jake is sitting there and thinking. She's kind of like musing on death, right? Because mm-hmm. Cutter died. And... Yes. It's it's so interesting because she clearly has no experience with death because it doesn't they don't ha- like see or, or or they're not surrounded by it the way that they would have been on the world of two moons there on the star home. And Yeah, there's something called death. Right. And she says, you know, but how sad never to touch again when something called death lifts spirits out of the still quiet bodies that can never return to life. So she clearly again is death is an alien concept to her. And you know, that was going to happen. And I think the elves went home to the star home knowing that they were escaping the, the, I guess, the shackles of that while still appreciating it for what it was and the lesson of pain and all of that. But mm-hmm. but clearly, you know, Jink never having experienced it firsthand is kind of, you know, struggling with it. And she's sitting there looking at her hands. And this is another little brilliant thing about the issue. You kind of flip the page 
and we get this double spread of Skywise also musing mm-hmm. and looking down at his hands. And, and I really um, and I like how did you notice how his hands are fading off? Yes, yeah, it's like and an echo yeah. into the distance, and we get this beautiful kind of spacescape. And again, it's more of Skywise's thoughts about. Um, I mean, this is again some kind of deep stuff, and so I don't know. I don't know if you had any specific thoughts on what he's saying or thinking in this scene. You know, this idea that. You know, do things only look solid when you're far away from them? Is that why I always put distance between me and those I love to see better? Yeah. It's very, a lot of it's very existential, which I dig. And I, I think that, you know, it's just, it's, he, he's kind of like musing, like not only is he musing on his own behaviors, but it's just like, I, I can see my hands and they're solid, but that isn't so because of how I'm traveling. So he's like also like, you know, musing on you, like what, what's, what is reality at this moment? The things that I'm seeing, you know, if you see your hands and they're there, then they must really be there. But with the way he's traveling, it, it wouldn't be, um, but he can still see them. And, and at the same time, I think, you know, that he's putting that distance, it's, it's becoming very existential in the thought, like what I'm seeing in my relationships, was it really there? Or was I, pushing those types of things away so I could hopefully see what was better. So he's like wondering, you know, like what he's seen in life and his own perceptions, what, what was real and what isn't. Right. You know, you know, do my hands only seem solid because I'm far away from me. And that was just like, you know, like, wow. Um, yeah, I still haven't fully, <laughs> I need to just sit with that for a little while longer and kind of absorb it and, and, I've read a lot own. of existential psychology, so that's probably where I'm just like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. But that's why I was particularly interested in what you had to say about that. Because... Yeah, and, I, and it's just like, because relationships are all based on perception and how you perceive a relationship uh, is different as well, as well as your own perception of yourself. And I think he's also, you know, he's wondering about that. Has, has he always seen himself in the same way? Did he always see himself accurately? Right. It's like that question of like, was everything that I thought to be real just not? Yeah. Like including and myself? Including myself. Right. And, and once again, it goes back to that whole idea of like masks. We all wear these masks for, for different people because we all play different roles in our life. And his mask changed a lot too, even like with Cutter, because for a while the mask was of big brother and protector. And then it was of, of like partner in crime and best friend and brother in all but blood. And then it was little brother, um, you know, and so he was always having to change this mask and behind all those masks is your true self. But was he ever taking that mask off to look at him, himself on his own, right? And the one person who did know him better than than anybody was was Cutter, and that's gone. And I think sometimes we love ourselves better when we can see ourselves reflected in the eyes that the people who love us. And um, that's gone now. So right. he's like he's lost all of it. Yeah. So again, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and then uh, the, then you know again you turn the page and there's the, this this other layer too of. Skywise is from birth, probably because of his birth, fear of like loss and abandonment, you know, and again, like he's I said, trying... his life started with loss, man. This just yeah. isn't fair. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, he's struggling and he's again, remembering these key moments with his relationship with Cutter without being able to remember Cutter. Um, but it, he, he, he 
comes to this conclusion or this final thought, he says, you know, who is it that I have abandoned? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, I don't know if that's a reference to Jink and to Maine or like, what does that mean? I was wondering that too. And I think that can be, you know, a, a lot of different, a, do, a lot of different levels. Right. Yeah. And almost sometimes I feel like this is, he's becoming so disassociated with lots of relationships at this point that he isn't even sure, you know, what those relationships were before. I don't think he's necessarily forgot Tim Maine or anything, because obviously he says there's clouds of color, magnificent, if only Tim Maine were here. He says there, so obviously he does remember her. Yeah. So obviously, and I'm sure he remembers Jank. But, you know, in some ways, Skywise ended up abandoning Cutter, not on purpose, when Rayek took them. So I think there's there's so many levels there because I yeah. was also thinking about that too. I, I, I have to guess that's put here to make us kind of think, and that that's going to pay off later in the story. Because I agree. I mean, I think again, the obvious thing is, oh, I've abandoned my family, or I have this leftover, like you were just saying, kind of abandoning Cutter, even though I didn't mean to. But I feel like there's gonna there's there's something else lurking under that that we're gonna figure something out with, but. I could, of course, be completely wrong, but... I think so, too. Yeah. I really think so, too. And the next thing that happens is a good example of where, I guess, art imitates life, because after all of this heavy stuff and this existential thinking, finally, Skywise is like, Ugh, I'm tired. I need to take a nap. <laughs> and that's that kind of how I feel. existentialism does to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the interesting thing. He goes into rap stuff. I know. Now, I think we Elfquest readers still have a little bit of post-traumatic stress disorder, maybe, from the way that rap stuff has been used in the story. You know, I'm thinking of Lita and the twins getting trapped, you know, in the Forbidden Grove and rap stuff. And then what happened with One Eye and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the preservers, you know, oftentimes use their rap stuff in rapping, you know, sort of as a defense mechanism. And so I think sometimes we feel a little bit like, oh, no, 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 not rap stuff. But it's also been said that you get no more profound rest than when you are in rap stuff. And that, you know, remember Suntop went into the rap stuff to kind of to grow mm-hmm. and yes. and kind of complete his magical development within the palace. So I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just that little pesky detail that once you're in it, you can't just wake yourself up. At least they couldn't on the world of two moons. But mm-hmm. I wonder if they can do it. Well, actually, Timane could do it. If if I'm going back to Kings of the Broken Wheel, yeah, she she was able to do it. You know, she, and not only was she able to, but she transferred back into her wolf form, right? And I don't know if she did that while she was in rap stuff um, and tore out just by the shape changing, or if she cut herself out and then shaped into back into the wolf form. We we don't have that answer. But at any rate, I guess where I'm going with this is that. My initial reaction to this was like, what does this mean? Like, Skyways is going to be out of the picture, and they're not going to be able to find him, and he's going to need to be rescued. But then I was like, well, how can the rest of the story happen if Skywise is, ra- is out of it because he's, he's in rap stuff? So, Well, and we also know he can still communicate when he's in the rap stuff through sending. Right. So, but no, I don't, I don't you know, I, I'm not going to speculate too much on that. Yeah. I was, I was just like, there's lots of ways, because this will cap me also. You know, just because we haven't ever seen a preserver take someone out of rap stuff doesn't mean it won't happen. Well, that's true, too. But it's also, too, like how with Thistlecap, no. 
maybe I'm <laughs> well, they, the preservers have surprised us in the past. That, that, that is true. And we were just talking about how they yeah. don't always get their just due. So yeah. So at any rate, um, I'm not too worried about Skywise being in rap stuff, I guess is what it all really boils down to. I'm sure there's, I think there's the obvious rest reason to it. And I will just have to wait and see how, how, or if he actually emerges from it. But um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, so now we go back to Jane, who is like at full blossom. She's saying, you know, I'm ready, you know, and there's this great scene in the, in, well, I almost said the palace, but they're clearly, the palace doesn't exist anymore. No. They're some, in some palatial structure within Palace City, I guess it's, it's called, right? Yeah, there we go. And, it's called um, Palace City. Jane is having this nice little conversation and, and about wanting to go meet her sister, Yun. And Venka is saying, I think that's a great idea. And, and all the elves are kind of giving her advice, which is, it's just, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It's like kind of awesome. It's like this whole family and, and they're not, even though they are living in the star home, on the star home, in this paradise, they're still people, right? They're still helping each other. And mm-hmm. I really liked that Tamein acknowledged that, and, and, and Sava too, that, that the magic and the hum that they experience in their in their paradise in their natural habitat, I guess, on the star home is not the same as what it's going to be like for her on the world of two moons. And I'm glad that yes. they didn't forget about that because you know over the course of the well from the original quest to the final quest, it was pretty clear that as the elves regained their their power and they regained the palace, like their their abilities kind of enhanced mm-hmm. with 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 the palace and again the focus of kind of rediscovering who they were Mm -hmm. um compared to the very beginning where they had in many ways forgotten a lot of their their you know the old ways or the old powers as they called them in the sun village and everything so but it's still a thing you know the world of two moons has something in its you know chemical composition or atmosphere or something that just kind of interferes with these beings ability to hum at the level that they need to in order to kind of be at their full power. So I thought that was it, kind of It neat. blocks some type of signal. Right. Yeah. So basically, they know where the World of Two Moons is, and they're able to kind of give her guidance on this. And, you know, it brings up the issue of, can they go back? And I think this issue answers it. That if anybody on the Star Home did want to go back to the World of Two Moons and visit or, you know, move back there, they have the ability to do that. I mean, and we saw Skywise do that when Cutter died. You know, he was yes. able to to kind of zip back. But but again, I think the what we have to ask ourselves is not like, oh, well, what was the big issue then if they can just hop back and forth? Well, clearly they, they can't just hop back and forth, right? Otherwise, they would be doing it all the time. Or mm-hmm. maybe it's not that they can't. It's that they don't want to. And then you have to ask yourself the question, why is that? And, you know, it's like, well, because if they're having this existence in the star home that is so perfect, they might not want to go back. Um, or, or there's the, another thing too, is that they might not all have the ability to navigate a pod. And I think that's actually a big factor here. You know, Jink clearly has been training since very young age to be able to do this. So at any, at any rate, I think I wanted to call that out because I don't think because Jink can go back to the world of two moons that all elves can do it or all elves want to do it after getting away from that. Um, so I don't think it lessens any, you know, any of the power of the emotional scenes in Final Quest where, you know, they all had to part, which at the time we didn't know if it was going to be forever or not. And 
we can see that it doesn't have to be forever, but I think for most of the characters, it is probably forever. I have some people I haven't seen in years because you don't just hop on a plane or hop in a car because life is happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just because you can doesn't mean that you will. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Um, <laughs> then the, the issue, kind of the final scene in the issue is the one we've all been waiting for <laughs> for a long time. Oh my gosh, yes. So Sunstream gives some pointers on how to, you know, get to the world of two moons and how to kind of connect to, to Yun's palace pod that she kept on the world of two moons and kind of hone in on that. And that'll kind of be a little bit of a beacon. And so we cut to the world of two moons and we see a young elf, a wolf rider running through the forest with a wolf friend. And who should it be but our very own Chad. <laughs> the third child of Cutter and Lita, their last born, I guess, um, you know, yeah. it'd be fair to say, um, mm-hmm. who we got a only one tiny glimpse of on the final page of the final quest. And um, he's unmistakable. He looks like, at, at first blush, you know, first glance, he looks very similar to Cutter. But when you look at him a little bit more, you you see that he really is a perfect hybrid between Cutter and Lita. Um, He's got Cutter's fairness in hair color and skin tone, unlike his siblings who kind of inherited Lita's skin tone. Uh, So he's got this kind of like strawberry blonde hair. He's got the the strong cheekbones and muscles that Cutter had, but he's got a little bit more of a delicate nose and a little bit more of a delicate chin. He's got light eyebrows and not Cutter's heavy, Mm -hmm. dark eyebrows. You know, the fact that he dresses kind of like Cutter works in his favor as looking like his dad. But um, but I do think, you know, character design wise, he's a brilliant blend, which I have come to expect nothing less than um, that from from Wendy's art and character design. Oh, completely. But, yeah. So he, we see him running through the woods. Yun shows up in her pod and is like, yo, dude, it's getting really cold and you ran off without your cloak. And um, which also yeah, makes that. him look more like Cutter. And so, obviously, some time period has passed on the world of two moons as well. Um, we don't know exactly how long, but, you know, that last scene in the final quest was 16 years after Cutter's death. So, presumably, sometime after that. I mean, Yun is wearing slightly different clothes, and and uh, so, you know, who knows exactly how long. But I guess we can presume that Chad, who is all we know him as so far... Um, you know, it's probably somewhere in his young adulthood, 20s, 30s, 40s, who knows, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of a sweet thing. Like, he is helping his old wolf friend, who was his first wolf friend, who is at the, you know, this is another clue that time has passed, right? That yes. wolves on the World of Two Moons seem to live a little bit longer than wolves on, on, on Earth. So the poor old wolf is, you know, is very much up there, and they call it kind of his last hunt. And so... Chad is kind of accompanying his wolf friend, but letting nature take its course. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting contrast to Cutter choosing to take care of Night Runner in the Sun Village. And, and, and I, but I also know it's a different environment as well. well the Sun Village, you right? Know. And that I, well, that's what I was going to say is that yeah, the whole one of the whole big themes of the final quest was the Wolf Riders choosing to go back to living by the very simple way and Mm -hmm. how cutter's quest over the course of all of his life you know maybe 
for good or for ill, pulled the Wolf Riders out of that way, but they really kind of made that very clear effort to go back to that. And this scene, I think, really symbolizes that. Cutter himself even didn't live, by the way, fully, especially when they left the forest initially and everything. And, you know, kind of eventually oh, yes. he came back to it. But, um, and, you know, yes, is it sad for the wolf? Absolutely. Like, I want to hand feed him when he can't hunt anymore. And, and I think, he, I know that you have been there as well as I'm sure lots of folks listening when, you know, you have pets or they're like our family members. And when they get old, you want to do everything you can to ease Mm -hmm. their, their, you know, their end. But, you know, the wolf rider's way is to live by the rules of nature. And and when it's your time, it's your time. And so I think, again, just that plot point here just really strongly emphasizes how, you know, under Ember and her leadership, they really have stuck to that final promise that Cutter wanted was for them to kind of live by the way. Yes. Um, can we talk about Yun's outfit? Oh, I love Yun's outfit. <laughs> I mean, she, not only is she still sporting dad's headgear, but she's got the perfect blend of like, go back, meet Wolf Rider, you know. Clothing. Yeah. And it's just like, she just has badass clothes. They just say like, I'm the boss. She's not the chief, right? But like, she's a boss. Yeah. She's confident. She She's not brash, but she's bold. You know, I just, the more I think about it, the more I really like her as a character. And, and like you said, not only do her clothes reflect this, but like her personality really is like the best of both worlds of, of Wolf Rider and Go Back. So, yeah. Um, but it's really cute because like she's tagging along, making sure that I, I kind of get like younger cousin vibes here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a member of my family, and I got to watch out for it. And obviously, many visual nods to Cutter and Skywise through their children, who are not carbon copies of them, but bear strong resemblance. So whether you see them from behind on, on that one page where you just see the back of their heads and you can't mm-hmm. see their face, so it very easily could have been a young Cutter and Skywise, uh, or just them standing next to each other on the facing page there where... Yun's got her arms crossed, and Chad has the fur vest, the fur robe, which you can only see from the chest up, so it looks just like Cutter's fur vest. So I thought that was brilliant. And then, yes, we finally get the name reveal, the actual name of Chad, which always was just a joke, a placeholder name. And it is, drumroll, you say it. Goldruff. Yes. (laughs) So Goldruff is the kid's name and happy that he has a wolf rider name, you know, sort of a translated wolf rider name. I would have been for no, no particularly good reason. Sad if he had just more of like a sound name. I I like my wolf riders wolf ridery and I wanted him to have sort of like a nature sounding name. And, and, you know, the name often tells you a little bit about the character. So gold, I think is kind of obvious. It comes from his hair, just like his, his siblings, Suntop and Sunstream and, and Ember. Which well, I love. Yes. I love the fact that all of the kids have name based, you know, names based on their, their hair. Totally, yeah. I think and it's then fantastic. The other half is rough, you know, and we get to see his personality a little bit here. And he's a little bit, mm-hmm. I think, rough as in, it's spelled R-U-F-F, kind of like what a dog or a wolf would say, like a rough, which is kind of close to gruff. I get a little bit of gruffness about this 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 elf. He's get he's definitely irritated and frustrated that everybody in the tribe is kind of busybodying after him as he's trying to do his thing to help his his wolf friend. 
Um, and he even, you know, he, he gruffs at Yun and he's, and he has that amazing little pun there where he says, get you pushy, go back, go back, trying to get her to go out of there. So I don't know which, you know, who came up with that, if it was Wendy or Richard or Sonny, maybe even, but that's a little bit of ElfQuest gold right there. I thought, but I, uh, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. It fits his hair. It fits his personality. It's great. Yeah. So I hope everybody who just could not bear the joke name Chad has at least some sense of closure that we now have an official name for him. And it has been updated on the ElfQuest website. So check that out and read what we know about him, which is not much. But at any rate, you know, brilliant scene here. We finally get this kind of big reveal. And um, and then the issue ends on a, a big of, moment, a, a big moment, right, which is Jink appearing yeah. on the World of Two Moons. And yes. she was drawn, of course, to Yun and her palace pod. And Goldruff successfully gets rid of Yun so he can continue, you know, on his little quest to help his wolf friend finish his life. And lo and behold, Jink pops up and pops out. And he's like, what the heck? And she's not appropriately dressed. She is not appropriately dressed, no. <laughs> Which is completely appropriate for what we know, you know, Jink of the future to be. Um, yes. She liked her skimpy outfits, and the, the star home, I have to guess, is probably a very constant 70 degrees, so she could wear her little bikini outfits and, you know, be perfectly comfortable, but I have a feeling... Based... Well, we see the cover for the next right. issue. Yes, so you go ahead. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. I was going to say, she's obviously, she's just like, wow, this is chilly. <laughs> <laughs> and Goldruff and, just happens and... to have a, you know, a nice big furry, you know, robe, so... He clearly, based on the cover of issue four, hands that over to her, and, and all we... Which is the decent thing to do. Of course, yeah. So, like Goldruff himself says about Cutter, um, what does he say? He's like, I like pretty much everything I hear about him. You know, he was a decent guy. So, I, I, I think we can say the same thing about Goldruff, that he's he's going to react, and he's going to do the, the nice thing, the polite thing, and offer up his, his coat to this, you know, this strange elf that just appeared so that's pretty much it that's the end of the issue so i feel like definitely the story has taken you know it's it's on its way you know issue number three i think what there's eight issues yes yeah, so we're not quite eight issues not quite halfway there yet but definitely the the plot lines have been laid and the the story's moving forward so it'll be yeah, interesting we're, 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 i think we're going to be trucking trucking along at a pretty fair clip with definitely the next few few issues yeah. but i think it's all going to be very deep at the same time <laughs> yeah well i mean if this issue is any you know any uh, indicator of that this issue had it all right it had heart it had tender moments it had funny moments you know mm -hmm. this interaction between yun and, and goldruff at the end and, but it also had some of this really deep stuff like the nature of our being in existence and how we interact with the people that we love and what does that mean? Like, all, again, all that existential stuff that we were talking about. So, you know, it's kind of a, a little snapshot of ElfQuest as a whole, I would say. I, I think it really is. And I mean, obviously, I, I don't think it's an issue you start someone off <laughs> <laughs> as, their, as their first introduction to the series. Um, but I do think it really captures the essence. So, you know, like if someone were to read, the, if this was their first issue, you, you get a lot of a feel of what really encapsulates the the story world of, of ElfQuest and the topics that you're going to touch on. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, you know, look, I first started reading ElfQuest by in, in 
kind of the middle of the original quest. I had no clue who anyone was or what was going on. And here I am, almost 40 years later, still reading. So you never know. Alfie, having read this as his very first issue, might have a memory of this as he gets a little bit older. And this might be his, you know, his ultimate issue that he tells on whatever the future ElfQuest online communities are. Like, uh, like Is online even going to exist then? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that might not necessarily be a bad thing. but <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, um, well, the one thing that I think might be a fun way to end then is if folks do not go through the letters pages, please do, because there's some really nice letters and oftentimes here. great responses from Wendy and Richard, sometimes that reveal things. But in this particular issue, there's just a brilliant little, you know, kind of sketch from Sonny of Jink and Goldruff and just flip to the back of it and I guarantee you, you will laugh. Yeah, I thought that was super cute. <laughs> I, I thought that was really cute. I like yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to let let everybody find that on your own. Um, you can get it on, if you're looking at the digital copy, it's there, um, and obviously in the print copy as well. So, all right. Well, we have chatted for a long time, and um, I think it's a good time to wrap. So thank you for being here, Heather. It was awesome, Thank as you always. so much for asking me. Have yeah. me back. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't know when issue number four will be out again as of the time of this recording, but everybody, you know, just be patient. And these are tough times. But like I said at the beginning, if everybody, um, you know, focuses on taking care of everybody else, we're going to get through this. And I have no doubts that before we know it, we're going to have a new issue of ElfQuest in our hands. So um, everybody stay safe. And until next time, um, you know, shade and sweet water. Shade and sweet water. Well, that's it for another episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen. It really helps get more exposure for ElfQuest. Join the discussion about this episode and all things ElfQuest on Facebook in the ElfQuest fan group. You can also follow ElfQuest the official page there, and on Twitter, follow at ElfQuest, and Instagram, follow at ElfQuestComics. Head to ElfQuest.com for links to all of these social media groups and to read free online comics. Get official ElfQuest merchandise, read hundreds of character bios, make your own cool ElfQuest avatar, and tons of other amazing ElfQuest stuff. ElfQuest is published by Dark Horse Comics in both print and digital editions. Visit your local comic shop or bookstore and ask for ElfQuest. Or head to digital.darkhorse.com or comicsology.com for instant downloads. Until next time, shade and sweet water. <laughs> <laughs>